0: Tardo Hammer got his professional start in his native New York in the 1980s working clubs in Manhattan and touring with Lionel Hampton, Lou Donaldson, and the art farmer Clifford Jordan Quintet. Tardo maintains a busy teaching and touring schedule and is very enthusiastic about the state of jazz today, feeling that his contemporaries are playing better than ever and that a dedicated group of young musicians are coming up to continue the tradition. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. We started by talking about one of Tardo's favorite pianists, Tommy Flanagan.
1: It's not quite like that now, but at, at that time, late 70s, early 80s, through the 80s, you could go hear people like Tommy Flanagan almost every night of the week for no cover charge. So That was big. That was a big thing. And Flanagan would be at Bradley's... I don't know how many weeks out of the quite day. a bit, but you you would just go. You would have to be there. You'd be afraid you might miss something, you know. And uh, uh, I only met him later on when I was working with Annie Ross because oh really Annie and him were friends, our friends, and uh, he would come to the gigs and he was always very kind. But I was very shy with him, and he's not that outgoing himself. No, he was shy. Yeah, we were both mutually shy. But he said a number of kind things.
0: I remember one night I was doing, I can't remember who was at the cookery, but it's that time when the cookery was going Mm -hmm. and Bradley's, and I was working Knickerbocker, and it was New Year's Eve, and everybody was noisy and nobody was listening. And I turned to Mike Mm Hashem, who was playing with me, the saxophonist, and I said, just think, right now some of the greatest musicians in the world are being ignored all over New York. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah. but that's the way it was back then. That there, yeah. the, within a few blocks, you had all these people. Because we would take our break and go you here. You could just walk me. around, yeah, and do something like that, yeah. And
1: you could learn music because it, it was a full week engagement. Right. So you could go every night. By the end of the week, you might have learned a tune. Yeah. Two tunes, you know.
0: And that's something that um, some of the guys have been saying to me lately. People, I think the non-players romanticize club work because it's fun for them to hang out. But one of the things that I miss, and I've had other people say, is back when there were more clubs that you could do an extended gig, you could do a week, you learned a lot in a week Mm -hmm. as a player.
1: Bands were better, too, from doing that.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You got better. Yeah. And... You got to spend that time with the person. I, I have a, a regular gig that I do once or twice a year in London called Crazy Cox. And it's like, you know, it's 80 people in the room. People listen. It's very quiet. But the main reason I dig it is because I play with one of my favorite guitarists, Colin Oxley. and oh. We've got five days mm-hmm. in a row together. And it really means a lot. I mean, talk Time about that, develop. how you think about when you do... Because you do Mesro and you do... Yeah. There's a few of these. Smalls,
1: Mesro, but yeah. they're not extended runs. They're it's one always night, one night. One night, usually. And...
0: That's very different. We
1: can't always get together and rehearse, so we rehearse on the bandstand, which yeah. is entertaining. And it's nice. But given a number of nights, when you get a little string of gigs together, uh, things develop. And they're not things that you plan. So you can't really arrange that into the music. It's the improviser's music. So through that conversation with the other musicians, you obviously can get further during an extended run. The audience is there and their vibes are real. I mean, if you're ever in a, in a place with a dead bunch of people, you will know it. <laughs> You'll just know it. And you also know an enthusiast when people are right along with you, whether they applaud or not. Sometimes, sometimes the, 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 thing, the moments are so uh, subtle, people don't want to clap. But right, they're in there, so you can feel that. But at the same time, I understand. There was some quote from Sonny Rollins recently. I so, saw, but that I'm playing for me, and I want you to come along. If you come along, better yet, you know, as an audience. So, well, that's to, what I mean. You know? I think.
0: I think. But the audience energy is there, that is you, there whether that's, you like that's it or what not? I mean. Is there yeah. whether they like the, it or not? For the good and the <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and is- live
1: music is live music. Remember, it's only 100 years or so that you can push a button and have music. Right. For thousands of years, there was only live music. That's the real thing. If you wanted to hear music, you had to play it or find somebody who was playing it. So live music is the real thing. Everything else is a mock-up.
0: Talk about the support of those great players like Hank Jones, Tommy Flanagan. Okay. You and I are piano okay. players, so people we think in that. And and it was said to me recently, Ken Poplowski, the wonderful clarinetist and saxophonist, said that, that once you played, once those guys heard you and they liked you, you were in, you were accepted. And it wasn't... People sometimes, when you say things like that, it sounds a little um, exclusive and pretentious, like, well, you're in the club and, and you're not. Wasn't like that. It was a real, I felt, embrace. Great, you look at music this way, we support you, you're there, we're now going to continue to support you. And I had that happen a lot
2: where mm. people,
0: I know I did a, a, my first big jazz festival in Europe, and Benny Carter had seen George de Vivier and said, Watch out for Judy Carmichael. She's played with about one bass player, because I had at the time, he says, and she plays stride, you're going to know what she's doing. Seek her out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was huge. Yeah. I can't imagine happening that that happening today, even with email. I do that sort of thing, but he had to Different call situation and now. say. So that's a very particular kind of embrace and support. And you commented when I was talking about mm-hmm. this a bit before we started that that changed the level of the music of that. I like you. To well, speak I think there, there was that. a
1: strong community of people who were interested in each other's. Thing they were competitive, I'm sure,
0: but that keeps the level high.
1: Yeah, uh, now uh, because people are very busy, busy trying to market and get a foothold, they're not necessarily as interested in what's going on around them. So uh, music, I think, music was stronger then. Mm. But I, yeah, because
0: people were paying more attention and it was spurring them on in the same way.
1: I think so. And older musicians looking out for younger musicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was listening to you talk just now, I was thinking, yeah, I have to do that too. We have to find some younger musicians to. If we had a lot of work to pass to them, it would be great.
0: So tell me about the Lou Donaldson track that you brought.
1: Well, that's uh, him playing The Masquerade Is Over, which was often his closing number. And I worked with him off and on, about seven years, I would guess. Late 80s to mid to late 90s, something like that. Uh, Lou's a great musician and a very funny man. And I probably uh, don't want to betray any secrets, but he's very kind. He has a gruff and sarcastic exterior, which is fine with me. I was raised on that, so, so that's okay. But uh, he's kind. I mean, he would be at any service, funeral, fundraiser for anybody at any time. You would always Aww. see him there. But people, because he speaks his mind, and he does it, what I think, in a very clever way. So people who are afraid of a little uh, witty sarcasm. Don't see the uh, warm interior. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that. You know where you stand. Yeah.
1: I got a lot of education working with musicians like him and Bill Hardman and Junior Cook, um, Vernell Fournier, because and it doesn't mean that you would hear you would get a lot of information. You would get a little bit of feedback at the right time, and it could be just a look. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm laughing because I relate with it yeah. so strongly. Those mm-hmm. guys, they said a lot with a look.
1: Yeah. And uh, other things, like pacing, you don't really learn about that in any music lesson.
0: That's hmm. why the thing about being on the gig is so important. Yeah. Because it, it's very different than it's, sitting in a room and rehearsing.
1: Especially as a young musician, you're just ready to run everything you know, every measure, you know.
0: <laughs> I had somebody say that to me, a critic once say, you know, you can breathe between mm-hmm. tunes Because I would just run into (laughs) (laughs) that. I haven't thought of that in years. That's funny. Yeah, those guys really knew how to do that.
1: But it's a a great thing about New York. I think we were talking before about how you might have to play in front of somebody that you're absolutely terrified of. It still happens. It's still happening today, which is amazing. Because if you told me in 1980 that in 2016 the music scene would be that healthy... I'd have been surprised, but it is.
0: No, oh, that's is. nice because yeah, people say that the music scene isn't that great. So you it's think it is how
1: Much healthier than I would have imagined. Yeah, mm. there's lots of good young players and there's lots of good older players. And my generation of people have gotten real good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I heard David Hazeltine the other night. You know you what know, I heard the other night? Chris Flory, your old buddy. Absolutely. And
0: great. I know I Chris know. is playing better than ever.
1: Yeah, and, and the people are playing who played good are playing, are, have just ripened and matured and are playing great.
0: And don't you think that just having that same thing, we come back to New York, what makes New York so special still is that everybody's mashed up together. You can't mm-hmm. get lazy. That's how I feel. You cannot, you can't get arrogant living in New York. There's right. just too many great people.
1: And you have to play opposite people who, who are the le- le- legitimate greats. Oh, yeah. Like one time I played, this was a while ago, I was playing on the east side and it so happened that Barry Harris and Richard Wyans came in the, in the place. And so Richard is also shy, a very, very nice man, Barry, I know a while as well. And I said to Richard something like, I didn't want to let on that I was weak or scared, but I said, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit daunting to play. You guys are two of my you know, favorite piano players. And he told a little story about how in Oakland he had to play the, in, the uh, intermissions at a jazz club, and Art Tatum came in. He played intermissions for Art Tatum.
0: <laughs> oh, no.
1: And I said, well, that must have been tough. He goes, no, I just played my thing, and he played his. And that was a little lesson for me, like, do your thing.
0: Do don't your thing. Don't
1: worry about us. You
0: know? Oh, that's so great. That's great. <laughs> I, had a, I did a, a concert. You mentioned Dorothy Donegan mm-hmm. before we started. Yeah. And I was asked to do a concert with Dorothy Donegan, And there had been a series, Just it was just a coincidence, where I played a number of clubs in various parts of the world where she'd played the week before. And for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Dorothy, she was a monster player,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but a very hard player. And a number of the pianos that I played, <sighs> there were keys missing. Mm-hmm. Not notes missing, wow. keys missing. She'd actually knocked the keys off, broken the keys. So he was like a cyclone had been there, and then mm-hmm. I would do the cleanup work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was asked to do a thing here in New York um, with Dorothy, and I said, uh, um, I assume that I am on first, that I'm opening for Dorothy. I said, but just to make sure, I want to open for Dorothy on the off chance that you might, for some reason,
2: <laughs> put me on second.
0: And I said, now, even... So I put it in my contract, and I warned the guy. I said, just in case Dorothy wants to go on first. Sure enough, Dorothy wanted to go on first. And, you know, because I I like to go on first and get people when their ears are Mm -hmm. fresh, too. And who wants to follow Dorothy? And and then she called me, and the guy called me and said, well, Dorothy wants to go on first. I said, "No, uh, uh, no, I'm going on first. And then Dorothy called me and said, Judy... Uh, I thought I'd go on first. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, and I lied. I said, I've got a gig (laughs) (laughs) after our gig, so I have to get out. But it was funny because I, it wasn't just because, of course, I stayed and listened to Dorothy. Mm -hmm. But I really had to work at not being overwhelmed by this. Cyclone of talent that would be coming in with her and her playing and do what you're talking about. Because I never told her I was nervous.
2: Yeah,
1: it's really a funny balance. You can't compete directly, but you have to compete in terms of survival.
0: (laughs) 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 I like that, how you put that, though.
1: You have to not be eclipsed by or become a total spectator. You have to get up and play.
0: Yeah, 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 you do. Because you can, once you withdraw, I think of it as sort of like skiing. If you, you, you know, when you go fast, you're supposed to lean into it. You can't lean back yeah, and your feet go out from right. under you. That's right. And it's very similar, mm-hmm. I think. brought me something with Warren Vache, Oh, another yeah. Another old pal of mine.
1: Warren is all right. He's a... He's so the last a, time
0: I saw you, I think, was playing with Warren. That yeah, gig we in Switzerland, yeah. Burn, right? Mm-hmm. I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. With, um, Warren is great.
1: Warren has got the things you need. I mean, it's not that complicated. We need sound, and we need time, and we need to find some good notes, and he's got all that. And... Uh, I like him because I like uh, being around musicians that don't. We don't have to live in a category together.
2: Mm, you know, and, that's and, uh,
0: nice.
1: You know, a lot of times you know that people put you in a category, and that's what you are forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Warren's, we may not be perceived as being in the same category. That's what I mean, I was (laughs) going to say you're not
0: two people that I would automatically put together.
1: But we have so much common ground and we play freely together, so I enjoy that. The one I brought I think is from a recording that's all ballads, or mostly ballads. Ballads are nice because you you have time to think and space. Sometimes the up-tempo things I enjoy live, but for recordings sometimes the up-tempo things get very busy. So
0: to
2: oh, that's to interesting.
1: I like Why? To
0: I know what you mean, but explain it.
1: Well, I'm not sure why.
0: Isn't it the audience and the fact that you can yeah, sort of... I mean, for me, the, the up things, the audience is there in that energy, and I just go for it. Right, and but it's live, and
1: the notes disappear, and they're gone, and they've gone off into space, and you're done. Yeah, but and in a recording session, it's different. Yeah, they're permanent, and there's a little more of everything because it's recorded, and there's mm. microphones right in the room. The noise bounces around a little bit. So, uh, but Warren's ballad playing is great.
0: My guest, pianist Tardo Hammer, with coronetist Warren Viché on I Have Dreamed. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Talk about focus.
1: Ah, that's from the Ted Dameron record.
0: I love that record yeah. I've become a little obsessed with this record Good. I've listened to it a number Good. of times People yeah like I it. really really liked it I was dancing around the house
1: well you know I wouldn't necessarily come up with a theme for a CD if I made a CD it would be the dozen songs that I'm enjoying that <laughs> that's week that's your theme yeah No, but, but uh, <laughs> these are
0: the songs I presently like well, <laughs>
1: fortunately fortunately, producers exist and this is a Sharp Nine record Mark Edelman is the guy and, and he needs a theme so we threw a few things around I have trouble with theme things because uh, the same reason when you see, you know, a poster for a gig, Duke Ellington, Duke Ellington's not there, <laughs> or Django Reinhardt, and he's not there. And in little They're letters it says, with us? tribute to, yeah. in the, and then the artist in the big letters. So uh, I want to do my thing, you know. But, but the, this was a
0: good theme too. Tad Dameron's
1: great. He's a real jazz composer. Yeah. You know, and uh, there are a few. And uh, I really enjoyed doing it. It's got uh, John Weber and Joe Farnsworth. And there was so much material to choose from. You could do a dozen Tad on records and not repeat a tune.
0: Tardo Hammer on focus from his CD, Look, Stop, and Listen. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. And check out my new CD, my first with originals, Can You Love Once More? Judy and Harry Play Carmichael and Alan. Available on iTunes and at judycarmichael.com. My guest is pianist Tardo Hammer. Talk about Simple Pleasure, your CD. That's
1: a, a Cedar Walton cut uh, title, that, so that's the title cut, and uh, I think Cedar was sick at that time when we were recording it, and I, I saw, uh, somebody just said, have you seen Cedar? doesn't. Anyway, so we said, let's play this tune. So that ended up being the title cut as well. Uh Corey Weeds from Mount Vancouver called me and said I want to do something, but it'll be somewhere in between a live recording and a studio recording. We'll do it, I think we did it at uh, one of the places along here, 58th Street. Mm-hmm. One of the piano places. I don't want to say the name because I might have the wrong one. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: And Steinway supports this show, so yeah, we don't want right. to talk about any rival yeah, so piano. I don't, even,
1: I don't even remember which piano it was. Some but piano-shaped was object. Piano, yeah. Uh, and he had a group of people in there, sort of like a small concert, but it was recorded. So mm-hmm. it was somewhat live, but we were allowed to stop and start if we wanted to. I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. So pretty much live. Lee Hudson was there on bass and uh, Jimmy Warmworth on drums. And that's no theme. We just played the things that we like to play.
0: <laughs> you should, I'm, I'm giving you this. I think your next CD should be titled The Things We Like. The Things We Like. Okay. That's, that's what it's going to be. It does do that, <laughs> the which is we perfect.
1: Like this day.
0: My guest, pianist Tardo Hammer, from his CD, Simple Pleasure. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Again, we were talking before we started here on Mike about a lot of the things that we go through as jazz musicians. And I can look back on now a fairly long career that I've had so far And I see a lot of those things that would be perceived as negative or hard or something as really making me who I am in a good way. And a lot of the things musically, I look at some of the the rough um, situations I was in that I really wasn't um, completely equal to the task, but somehow I survived it. The musicians around me pulled me up, made me better. I thought, okay, next time I'm going to do that. And I personally think you have to go through those things Mm -hmm. to have this career work. I think it's one of the reasons that jazz musicians respect each other Mm -hmm. so much, because we've done it. It's not just for the money. The chances of any of us making money is very remote. So it isn't in that romantic sense, which I hate. Oh, we do it because we love it. It's not that it's something different. We're trying to create something beautiful Mm -hmm. in a serious way, with integrity, and we look at each other. And we know the other one's doing it too. Mm-hmm. So, I think you have to go through those things to get to this point with the music, for the music to be deeper. Mm-hmm. Just speak to that, because you teach yeah. a lot too, yeah. and I know that you've got to be talking to your students about some of this, because they've got to be frustrated if, if in they terms would of only listen. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, do, yeah. Do. What do you say uh, to them? Uh, I'm listening. I, I don't I'll know be what to student. tell them.
1: But what I will tell you, yeah. is yeah. Uh, you're doing a unique thing, right? Now, that could be negative or positive. Right. Because they could say, who wants to hear that? Why is not she doing what everybody likes? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So as a person, you have to have the inner fortitude to say, it's good that my thing is on the outside of it because that's, what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. If I was just like all those people over there, maybe it would be popular for a couple of years or maybe I'd be lost in a sea of people doing the same thing, but you carve your own ground that way. Mm. And, you know, some people are very fast and some people don't play so fast. And that could be a weakness or maybe it could be a strength. You know, there's so many things, but whatever it is, that sets you apart, or you say, "Well, I play jazz in a time where it's maybe the least popular, maybe instrumental music in general is at its least popular point in history." Is that a bad thing? No, it clears out the riffraff and it makes more room for you. <laughs> it's, it's just you. Do you know? There's more room for you to do your thing if yeah. it's not popular. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, mm-hmm. and it, it can be uh, a little bit discouraging. Mm-hmm. But it can also be a source of strength.
0: Mm. You know? That's fantastic. I love that.
1: All right. You can have it. <laughs> <Take that. laughs>
0: well, then also something that you told me another time was that if you're not figuring these things out, if you're making it on maybe flashy clothes mm-hmm. or um, if you're a pretty woman, you're making it on your good looks exclusively and you play okay if you don't start getting beyond that and working it out, you're not gonna, going to sustain. Because that isn't going to, you know, a 60 year old with a good outfit is not going to have might the same look weird. impact. Might look strange, yeah, as yeah. the, yeah. yeah. Uh, or my theory that because I'm slender, I say just because you can wear something doesn't mean you should.
1: Right. <laughs> I'm saving my flashy clothes for the later years. Oh, gonna, I, yeah, that, so that, be, yeah, so that is your gimmick. The, I'm going, yeah, for, you know, yeah, Geriatric be- flashy clothes it's gonna be-
0: <laughs> And I'll wear really short skirts yeah. when I'm 80 yeah. Oh no, so I don't think this we'll is going to be good no. <laughs> My guest, pianist Tardo Hammer, from his CD, Simple Pleasure. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Tardo about his teaching style with professionals and amateur players.
1: Either way, I tend to uh, get into very fundamental things. Mm -hmm. Which is, so not very complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, here's this, you know, Mm -hmm. extended chord, blah, blah, blah. It's more like... Things about weight of the arm, balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean to get from the one chord to the four chord and back? I mean, because I have people come in and they're quasi professionals, and they talk about two five one blah, blah blah blah. But I'm not sure they can play "Happy Birthday."
0: Right, right.
1: I'm really not sure that and this is crazy that a lot of professional musicians could play "Happy Birthday." Right. Well. Right. Because uh, a lot of people come in. Because of jazz education and where it is now, since you don't learn it on the street, you learn it in a school. Mm. They may have a starting point where they're they have to have an encyclopedia of scales in their head just to play a, a blues, and to me that's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I try to encourage all people to get a lot of time spent playing simple things. Like mm-hmm. where I where I grew up, we everybody played music, or everybody who played music could play blues, and we played three four chord blues, mm-hmm. and. There were a lot of years spent doing that before I had to know about a flat nine blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. chord or a a whole step, half step scale or whatever. Mm -hmm. Any theoretical stuff. You just kind of forge some ground playing simply. If you've never connected to music as self-expression or something where you can really get off doing it, then all that other information isn't going going to take you anywhere.
0: Talk Ah, about Art Farmer.
1: Farmer. You're giving me
0: a chance to play Art Farmer.
1: Well, interesting. That cut is uh, something by Duke Jordan. Who was somebody? That's maybe one of the earliest piano players that in my life that I could go here live, and and he was playing in the village, and I knew who he was. And um, one night, this is towards that other subject. I'd come in. I was a long-haired, seventeen-year-old hippie. And uh, Wednesday, Thursday nights, he'd be in this club on Bleecker Street and Seventh Avenue, with nobody in the place. He'd be a little trio, and I'd be sitting at the bar. So he. Saw me a couple of times and said, what are you doing here, man? I said, <laughs> I said, well, uh, I know who you are. You're on know, those records with Charlie Parker. You're a great Duke. Jr. He said, so he liked me. <laughs> About three weeks passed, he comes up to me. He goes, uh, look, I need to do something. Can you play the next set No, oh, my word. And I said, no. And he said, uh, young man, last week you told me you played some piano. Now, if you're a piano player and somebody asks you to play, you sit up straight and you look the person in the eye and you say, yes, sir. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Will you play the next set for me? And I said, okay. And so I went and played. I think it was John Orr on bass, and I can't remember the drummer. I knew That's ab- great. I knew about three songs, maybe four. And I hacked through it. I finished up. I was ashamed of myself. But looking back, I probably, for where I, for that age, I probably did pretty well.
0: And you did it, is got the point. It, got through it. It's fantastic <laughs> so that he made is, you do so it.
1: So I thought him and you know... You you know if you could go hear somebody night after night like, like that situation or like Bradley's you would learn tunes but you wouldn't know the names of them because people didn't announce from the bandstand at that time like they we <laughs> I have to thought of that that's yeah. true we they have didn't. to now we have to we're required we have to talk to people and it's good I think it's good that we talk to people but Tommy Flanagan didn't pick up the mic until later on Bradley's he hardly spoke
0: that's right Duke
1: Jordan never spoke so I heard tunes like How Deep Is the Ocean and knew them because Duke Jordan would play that every night and didn't know the name of it.
0: I hadn't know? thought of that. You know who told me I had to say the name of the tune was Whitney Ballier, ah. who was a critic for The New Yorker. And he came in one night to review me, and I came over and I was really nervous, and I sat at the table, and this was my, at handwritten, is the first gig. And all he said, I was, you know, he looked like a New Yorker cartoon. He had those little glasses, and he was very intimidating, and he said... Name the tunes. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a good thing.
0: <laughs> and that was it. But you're right. People yeah. didn't name the tunes.
1: Didn't have to. Bill wow. Evans never spoke. I remember that. Till later. once. But getting on to Art Farmer. So uh, Art Farmer is one of the people that I knew from records that I ended up working with. And that was in the late eight, uh, same, same period, late 80s to mid 90s. And, uh, well, he didn't say much. He was very, very uh, introverted.
0: But it came through the music.
1: Yeah, and he was a challenge to work with. Always had new, he was moving forward. He was not interested in playing uh, things that he played that you had on his records. He was always moving forward.
0: Art Farmer on Forecast. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with pianist Tardo Hammer. One of the things that you have with a club that you said earlier that I really appreciated is I mean, who has time to rehearse? You know, we're all in different places. We're happy to you and I are in the same city at the same time. We're happy that works out. So you do mm-hmm. your thing at Mesro and you work things out there. That you probably wouldn't try in a concert in the no, same way I wouldn't no. the club used to be where I'd
1: in a way it's better in the club it gets exactly. when you get to the concert you these things that you prepared Absolutely. and they may go right. very well or pretty well or not so right. well but uh, yeah
0: and I really missed that because yeah. I loved that that cover mm-hmm. of, of a little bit of noise and a little, you know a lot Me of time. It's
1: my favorite and would you rather hear jazz in a club or in a concert hall?
0: Oh, Same thing, would you like that little low cover of noise or do you
1: want the, the library presentation? Now, that's
0: funny. I have, I've never thought about it from my perspective. I immediately thought of Bradley's right. and how much I love that. But yeah, I still but that prefer was pretty... a
1: club to I think concert halls are strange just because of the way the sound bounces around, especially if there's drums.
0: Yeah, it depends horns. on the concert hall, yeah. though. I mean, yeah. it depends. I like theaters mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah. because theaters are, if they have a good sound, you know, proper theaters that aren't concert halls. Because I like... Lighting. Ah. I actually think lighting, I'm not against that. I think that's nice. You know, in the old days, they produced shows, like Peggy Lee had her shows produced. So she would have the lights come down on a ballad. But I found it with my own group, if the lights come down on a ballad, everybody does dig in in a different way. The the audience is in the dark, so they can go to that emotional spot and not feel too exposed. The musicians feel sort of like we do in Mm -hmm. a club. We're a little protected so I guess my favorite are theaters yeah. or, or the perfect club.
1: You know, one thing about, about that is uh, when you're talking about the audience before and mm. what well, for that aspect of music, which is jazz music is very important, of atmosphere and mood. Mm. You can do that by yourself, you know what I mean? But you're just basically, you know, putting atmosphere into an empty room. Mm. But when you put atmosphere into a room full of people, mm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it changes the way they feel about what they're doing.
0: Yeah. 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 Bud Pal. Bud Powell. I love Bud Pal. Talk about Bud Pal. Well influence on you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't listened to him right away. I was listening to horn players. Oh, and people, really? So, people That's say, oh, interesting. you sound like Bud Powell. Because I was listening to Charlie Parker and Chris right, Brown and right. trying to do that on the piano, but...
0: Interesting, yeah. That
1: was pretty... I was a teenager. Then, of course, I went through it and listened to all of it. And, um, I mean, one thing I would say about Bud Powell uh, is that there are dozens and dozens of piano players who are in that tree who have tried to contend with Bud Powell, but none of them sound like Bud Powell. I mean... Hampton Hawes, Barry Harris, Tommy Flanagan, Hank Jones, all the people that we talked about, plus Sonny Clark, Horace Silver, they're all coming out of that tree of Bud Powell, but you don't have to sound, you can't really sound like Bud Powell. No. It can't be done, it's not really done. Walter Davis sometimes, but he's his own thing. Uh, Barry Harris doesn't sound like Bud
0: Powell.
1: No. He sounds like his own thing, but that's how rich that well is.
0: Thank you for taking the time to do this. It was loads of fun. Thanks for having me. We got to play all this great music and Mm -hmm. your great music. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with pianist Tardo Hammer. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was airmail special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD, Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and & Sons and Sag Harbor Forest. Visit sagharborforest.net. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel in Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. Special thanks to our webmaster, Megan Lewis, and to Henry and Gilda Block and the Ken Colker Foundation. For more information, visit JudyCarmichael.com or JazzInspired.com.